this is Grant Winneravage, and I'm a sales agronomist for CHS Egg Services in Warren, Minnesota. We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network, CHS Egg Services, providing solutions for your success. Good morning, farm news on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Don Wick with Randy Cohen. We'll have updates from uh, Whitney Pittman and Sierra Doctor. Many of us are waking up to another foggy morning. The National Weather Service says visibility has been reduced in many areas. There is a slight chance of snow in northeastern South Dakota and west-central Minnesota this afternoon and tonight. There's also a small chance of rain and light snow in southwestern North Dakota. Argentina may be seeing some light rains this week. World Weather Incorporated says the moisture will not be enough to provide much relief for crops. Crops will continue to face drought-related damage. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack was on the American Farm Bureau Federation stage yesterday announcing plans to reduce farm input costs and increase market opportunities. In the area of inputs, when Russia invaded Ukraine, uh, it obviously made a significant impact on the availability of fertilizer. The President announced a $500 million commitment uh, last year and we've been in the process of listening again to Farm Bureau members and folks around the country on what we might be able to do in the short term and in the long term to create greater capacity, greater independence, if you will, greater self-reliance in terms of these valuable inputs. An announcement on the largest projects will be made in the spring. 21 smaller projects were unveiled yesterday, including a biochar project at Crookston. Vilsack also announced $12 million in funding for three meat processing projects. That list includes nearly $1 million for a cattle and hog processing plant on the White Earth Indian Reservation with a storefront near Wabin, Minnesota. USDA has unveiled Phase 2 of the Emergency Relief Program. This effort is designed to fill the gap for farmers and ranchers who suffered losses in 2020 or 2021 but we're not eligible for phase one payments. The application period will be open from January 23rd through June 2nd. There are reports of calves coming to the auction barns a little lighter than normal. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Sierra Doctor has more. Stockman's Livestock Exchange Vice President Austin Henderson says weather from the spring and winter has held calves back. The uh, weights have uh, been lighter all fall, all the way through um, into winter, uh, even with wean calves. We've been thin anywhere from, you know, 50 to sometimes 100 pounds lighter, and I think a lot of it has to do with last April snowstorm. And also, uh, you know, we didn't really have a lot of uh, good moisture after the 1st of July, so I think the pastures dried up pretty quick, and, uh, and we had just terrible, terrible grasshoppers here. So, And I think they ate the best of the forage that was out there. Then again, moving just into winter, you know, the guys that sold off the cow, I think the spring and summer uh, hit them the hardest. You know, even on bigger cattle, the gains just haven't been there, all due to Mother Nature's fury. Henderson thinks grass cattle will be profitable this year. I know we are seeing uh, these little lighter cattle that are coming in uh, this time of year, you know, weighing anywhere from 4 to 550. Uh, there is uh, there is quite a bit of a premium on them. I think there's a lot of guys that are... Uh, getting excited to turn uh, cattle out to grass and with the moisture that we do have now it sure looks like uh, the grass should get a head start depending on how it melts and how it goes away but there's a lot of people that are excited to turn grass cattle out you know those uh, yearlings last fall were really good and i think those guys made some money and i think they're going to be back to uh, to play again and they want to get some cattle bought and get them turned out
Reporting agriculture's business, I'm Sierra Doctor on the Red River Farm Network. Mexico's proposed ban on biotech corn imports appears to be a non-starter for the Biden administration. Meeting with reporters after his speech at the American Farm Bureau Federation convention, Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack says there is no compromise on that issue. Meanwhile, President Biden and Mexico's president met Monday. A White House summary indicates the U.S.-Mexico-Canada Free Trade Agreement was a small part of the conversation, but the GMO corn issue was not mentioned. A bill has been introduced in the North Dakota House to ban foreign ownership of agricultural land. Bismarck Republican Larry Clemon introduced the bill in response to the proposed Fang corn wet milling project in Grand Forks. However, the bill would be in place for land purchased by foreign governments after July 1 of this year and would not affect the Fang project. Reporting agriculture's business. You're in tune with the Red River Farm Network. Tuesday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. The Minnesota House has unanimously passed the tax conformity bill. The Senate is scheduled to consider the same bill tomorrow. The bill would bring Minnesota's tax code into conformity with federal tax law. That bill needs to be signed into law by Friday so the changes can be made on state tax forms for in time for filing. In St. Paul, the Minnesota Senate Agriculture, Broadband and Rural Development Committee held its first hearing of the new session. Chairman Eric Putman is in his second term in the legislature, his first term on the Ag Committee. It's my understanding that historically this committee has been deeply bipartisan. Uh, while I hold this gavel, that's not good enough. We need to be better than bipartisan. We need to be nonpartisan. We need to be focused on those things that matter most for each and every Minnesotan and each and every person who works to feed each and every Minnesotan. That will be the approach that I take in this committee. So just so you're aware, members, I am disinclined to hear any bill from anyone that has five signers of the same party. We need to work better and do better. This work will have that spirit throughout the next uh, four years. The Minnesota House Agriculture Committee will meet early this afternoon. They'll review state ag programs as well. In testimony before the Senate Agriculture Committee, Minnesota State Veterinarian Dr. Marcia, uh, Marion Garcia said highly pathogenic avian influenza will be an issue well into 2023. In the past, we had associated outbreaks solely on the presence of migratory birds who brought the virus with them. But based on surveillance of wild birds this year, we know that the virus has persisted in the state's wild bird population and will probably continue to affect farmed poultry. We are working with poultry veterinarians and the industry to minimize the impact of this virus, but the number of tools we have available are limited. NDSU Extension Soil Specialist Dave Franson recommends using a fertilizer calculator to minimize cost and cut excess fertilizer out. For corn and spring wheat durum and for sunflowers, we have a nitrogen calculator that's web-based. And so those are designed uh, with uh, yield increases, quality increases due to nitrogen in mind, but also with an eye on what the cost of the, of the fertilizer is and what the price of the crop is. And so they're designed to maximize profits and so follow those pretty closely. At the end, there's a plus or minus. And so if you don't feel comfortable with that rate, uh, you have my personal permission to go a little bit higher or lower. 
Franzen says phosphorus can get expensive, so take a close look at what's needed. So phosphorus is a particularly expensive. I mean, it's really expensive. And so one of the things to really keep in mind is that for corn, for any small grain, for sugar beets, and for canola, that there should be some seed placed or near seed placed starter phosphorus. That's really, really important. The broadcast rate of phosphorus, I know we don't talk about the economics in any of our circulars, but with the phosphate price as high as it is right now, if a person wanted to back off on a broadcast rate, certainly would. And the other thing is that there's still quite a few soybean growers that still think that putting some, some phosphate fertilizer with a soybean seed is a good idea, and it's a horrible idea. You lose money every time. South Dakota Senator John Thune is hosting a Farm Bill Roundtable today in Sioux Falls. Farmers, ranchers, and farm organizations will be able to provide feedback for the upcoming Farm Bill debate. The American Farm Bureau Federation now moves to the delegate sessions today, making their policy in their annual meeting in Puerto Rico. USDA Risk Management Agency Administrator Mashra Bunger was a speaker yesterday speaking about the importance of crop insurance. This past year saw RMA with $200 billion in protection of over 600 crops. This is the eighth straight year that we have had one of the lowest improper payment rates within government, within USDA. I think um, that's a testament to agents, that's a testament to you, that's a testament to AIPs, that's a testament to RMA that we have been able to ensure the integrity of taxpayer dollars. China will gradually reduce the amount of soybeans it imports over the next seven years. Rabobank is out with a new report saying the Chinese government wants to reduce its dependence on soybean imports. In 2018, China introduced a low-protein feed formulation as it is continuing to lower the amount of soy meal in swine, poultry, and aquaculture rations. Rabobank says the expansion for China's livestock industry has also slowed. Reporting agriculture's business, you're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. Young Farmer and Rancher competitive event placings were announced yesterday at the American Farm Bureau Federation Convention in Puerto Rico. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Whitney Pittman has that story. The American Farm Bureau Federation announced Christy Miron as the runner-up for the Excellence in Agriculture competition. Miron says the competition is judged mostly on agriculture advocacy and leadership, with only 20% derived from the presentation to the judges. It's really about getting to know you as an individual, and then uh, within that application there's an opportunity to really hone in on What's your agricultural leadership skill sets, as well as what are some of the key issues that you are seeing facing agriculture? There were three core areas that I had focused on, which I also then presented upon, uh, which is the remaining 20% of the uh, application in the contest. But those three areas are a local, state, and national focus. So one being urban sprawl from a local standpoint, the second being generational transfer, having it be a very heavy focus for the state of Minnesota, and then the third area is around sustainability and ensuring the vitality for that. Miron says being an advocate for agriculture is not something that has to be done on a huge scale. The important thing is to find a way to tell your story however works best for you. Find your niche. Find what makes you feel most creative and most rewarded in your advocacy journey. Uh, for me, I kind of have a blend of public speaking as well as photography. And I think that's the one thing is you don't have to be a social media influencer to be an advocate for agriculture. No, 
no conversation is too small. It can be something as simple as the individual you're sitting next to on the plane and having a conversation about your farming operation and just really bridging that gap uh, that is unfortunately getting wider and wider between people who work in production agriculture and those that don't. As runner-up, Miron will receive $25,000 towards new Case IH equipment. Stacy Anderson of Ohio was the winner of the Excellence in Agriculture Award. With the Red River Farm Network, I'm Whitney Pittman. Checking those markets this morning, we have Minneapolis wheat down six cents for the March contract, eight ninety-six. July down three and a quarter. Chicago wheat March seven twenty-nine down twelve and a half, and the hard red winter wheat for March down eighteen and three quarter cents. We're at steady money for corn, the March contract at six fifty-two and three quarters. New crop corn five ninety and a quarter. That's unchanged as well. March soybeans fourteen seventy-eight and a half down a dime. July soybeans, 14.86 and a half. That's down by nine and a quarter cents. Plenty on the farm calendar, including the small grain update meetings for wheat, soybean, and corn growers. The first session today, noon, at Dilworth. They'll be in Ada and Crookston tomorrow, Lancaster and Roseau Thursday, St. Hilaire Friday. Speakers include Dr. Jim Anderson, the spring wheat breeder at the University of Minnesota, Dr. David Key, research uh, specialist, with the Minnesota soybean growers. Uh, they'll have a policy specialist from Minnesota corn, and Allison Thompson from the Money Farm will give a grain market update. That's, again, going on all this week. And the Minnesota Crop Improvement Association annual meeting will be Thursday. That's at the Bigwood Event Center in Fergus Falls. Everything starts at 7.30 that morning. Have a great day. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network.